Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. You can't really excuse other stuff just because, well, they tried. Listen, man, I I really like this film. I think this is the last great swashbuckling film. Quite arguably the best filmmaker of our generation. And then they like it and they tell their friends and it kind of balloons from there. But when you're... Two free plugs during the show. Uh, it's kind of a video game. <laughs> uh, it, it's probably true. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the time, or maybe the movie didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or maybe what we don't love about it, and decide whether the movie is worth a revisit. As always, feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Hi! Hey! (laughs) (laughs) Nice job, you got through that in one take. I did. I'm impressed. I mean, I'm kind of impressed. It doesn't take much, apparently. Oh. <laughs> so, what are we doing today? Oh, talking? am I gonna? Am I gonna what? be the introduction of the? Oh, I, I guess I could do. No, that. no, no! I'll do no, that. no, no! I got it. Wait, do you want it. me to? You want me to put some background on it? Do you want me to? <laughs> <laughs> what is that laughing? <laughs> I don't know why he's laughing before he strikes. <laughs> we are doing the 1994 movie, The Shadow. That's right. Starring Alec Baldwin as Lamont Cranston or The Shadow. Wait, Lamont Cranston's The Shadow? I uh, didn't really mean to blow it for you, but yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> the rich guy with the rich sounding name is The Shadow. <laughs> John Lone plays Shiwan Khan, Penelope Ann Miller as Margot Lane, Peter Boyle as Mo, because I didn't feel like writing his last name down, <laughs> Ian McKellen as Reinhardt Lane, he is Margot Lane's father. Tim Curry as Farley Claymore and Jonathan Winters as Police Commissioner Wainwright Barth. I love these names. <laughs> they are very comic booky. He was consumed by evil. For as long as you can remember, you've struggled against your own black heart. Shoot through him. Every man pays a price for redemption. I'm not looking for redemption. You have no choice. But I'll teach you to use your black shadow to fight evil. He became the shadow. If I didn't see anything, I swear. Dump him. (laughs) Who's there? Did you think you'd get away with it? Did you think I wouldn't know? When the world is in danger, report. Police investigation of murder. Agent advises inquiry. Who knows what powers stir in the night? Whenever you did, it's in the past. Join me. Inside you beats a heart of darkness. I do what I do to fight back the evil inside me. But some part of it is still there, waiting. Genghis Khan conquered half of the world in his lifetime. I intend to finish the job. And when the adventure begins... Activate the bomb. Who knows where it will end? Alec Baldwin. John Lone. Penelope Ann Miller. And Tim Curry. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? 
Cuidado. So this movie was released uh, July 1st, 1994. Big time weekend in the summer blockbuster oh, yeah. area. We went up against Baby's Day Out, which is not good. Maybe I'm not the... I don't think you're the right audience for this it. This is probably true. But to be fair, I think Baby's Day Out is trying to capitalize on the uh, Look Who's Talking craze. Oh, absolutely. Even absolutely, though it was, yeah, a couple, it was maybe a decade earlier than that. I Love Trouble. Again, eh. I don't think I know what that one is. Uh, it's Don't worry about it. All right. Little Big League, which I like because it had uh, Kevin Elster, the shortstop for the New York Mets, in there. <laughs> and so that's why I liked it. And it was it was all right. It was okay. But we blown away, starring Jeff Bridges and, uh, oh my gosh, Tommy Lee Jones. I okay, think Tommy yep. Lee Jones is the bad guy in that one. So, I mean, not a big... Not a big group to be with. You know, we'd think that The Shadow would do well that week. Yeah. Um, of course, five days later, on July 6th, the movie Forrest Gump was coming out, so anything that was going to come out before then was probably going to get blown out of the water. I think I've heard of that one. Yes, you have. But also, to the detriment of The Shadow, it, it premiered number two in its first week because in its third week, The Lion King was still kicking butt. So, yeah, I mean, you weren't going to beat that. And... The Shadow barely beat Speed Out in its fourth week, the Keanu Reeves movie. So not a great time for The Shadow, and, and, and maybe that's probably why it could be considered forgotten. Speed's tough, because that's kind of the same... That's taken from... That's drawn from the same audience, but Speed, you're going to get more of a general audience going to see it, because it's just a general action movie. But but Speed's really good. I do like... So, it. yes. Wait, what are you trying to say about The Shadow? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I, maybe a little spoiler alert. No, I'm not trying to say that. <laughs> Uh, it comes in at 108 minutes, which I appreciate. Rated PG-13. Had a budget of $25 million. That's estimate. Domestically, it grossed $32 million. Worldwide, 48 So I guess you could say that it's in the black, but I would assume no. Hmm. Directed by Russell Mulcahy, which I'm curious if you know who he is. Uh, I tried to think of what he, who he was, and I... I didn't know off he the top of my head. Is, well, he, he does a lot of music videos, but he's also the director of Highlander and Highlander 2, The Quickening. So, and Highlanders, and you have not seen these movies, I'm assuming. I've seen Highlander. Okay. I really like Highlander, you and I watched the TV two? series. I watched part of 2, it's saw not, the aliens, and turned listen, off 2. Listen, The Quickening is not <laughs> great, but it's not bad, so you might want to go back and revisit. One day. <laughs> Uh, written by David Kep, who we have already talked about uh, previously, uh, mm-hmm. Stir of Echoes. Um, he's maybe maybe there's a theme here with uh, Mr. Kep that he's going to be all, all all around our forgotten cinema movies. He's also done a lot of movies that aren't forgotten, yeah. though. True, he's written Jurassic Park. Um, come on, shoot, give me some more. Indiana Jones, uh, the Crystal Skull, he did right. He did do. Yeah. He was one of like the ninety writers yeah. on. Crystal but he Skull. he has done a lot of stuff. He is a very 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 good writer. Mm-hmm. Who I who I you know appreciate. Does he do novels? I don't think so, no. But, you know, don't quote me on that. I feel like they'd be really quick. They'd be good reads. (laughs) So before we get into the plot of the movie, we like to do a little spoiler alert. Do not continue on with this podcast if you haven't seen it. Odds are you have, so let's just forget it. You know, we're going to keep going. (laughs) You know what? I'm tired of the spoiler alerts because who cares at this point? Oh, wow. I mean, this movie isn't really... This isn't a mystery, so... it's a superhero fighting back. You didn't know that Lamont Cranston was a shadow, so clearly that is you true. Were a you little, did uh, kind of ruin that there. for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, really quickly, the shadow is based upon the pulp novels, pulp, pulp, uh, yeah, pulp novels, pulp stories, pulp not novels, novels, radio plays. He's, right. It's it was tough to track down exactly what came first. It seems like 
it was kind of radio and then the pulp oh, novels, I, and then uh, he came back. Oh, actually, um, I think I it, it was actually pulp stories first. Okay, then the radio play. Um, if it's if if I begin as I begin to describe the shadow, if he sounds familiar, it's <laughs> it's not a coincidence because the shadow was uh, Bob Kane's. I guess inspiration for when he did Batman. So it's very similar to the Batman storyline. Wealthy man who takes to the night to avenge evil and to stop bad guys. Uh, with in the case of the Shadow, he is somebody who can manipulate men's minds and women's minds to see to let them see what he wants them to see. Whether he just isn't there, whether they're seeing a, a, a building that's not there, whether they don't see the building, whatever it is, the Shadow can do that. The only problem is that he cannot make you not see his shadow, which is why he's called the shadow. Um, so, yeah. So, Lamont Cranston is a New York socialite who is trying to stop evil. He learns of this, of the Shiwan Khan, who's a descendant of Genghis Khan, who has come to New York City in the 1930s to, I guess, obliterate it. That's kind of what he wants to do, take over the world or reshape it in his form, whatever. So, the shadow is basically there to stop him. And that's why the plot is really simple, but we'll get into it a little bit. It's kind of muddied in terms of the shadow itself, this movie itself. I suppose, yeah. But there's an appreciation with pulp stories. I do appreciate the simplicity of the story. Bad guy, good guy. Let's stop him. You know, there's, there's something to be said for that storytelling. I enjoy it quite a bit because um, you always have shady characters and, and, and just kind of like, you know duplicitous men and women and who's on whose side and, and all that stuff. I right. enjoy that. So I, that's probably why when we first started talking about doing these podcasts, the shadow was one of the, not wasn't one of the early ones, but it was, a, it was in there, right? Was it an right. early one? When we just, we were trying to decide which movies to do. <laughs> Pardon. So fun fact. All right. Field's gone to stop his home phone because we don't have a recording studio. Uh, while he's gone, I want to just let you know, that uh, anything he talks about the shadow is wrong. Everything I say is right. Six cents is better than Stone of Echoes. Oh, my God. <laughs> get over yourself. Okay. So a couple of things that when I was going through, before we get to like our viewing notes, but a couple of things that I was going through when I was researching and I put the air quotes there. Did you know that Sam Raimi wanted to do this? I do. I actually have that note. I nice. got a couple of fun fact notes on Ooh. this. Oh, we probably you hit me with one then. Why am I, I'm always one hitting Did you, you know... In Philip Jose Farmer's book, Tarzan Alive and Doc Savage's Apocalyptic Life. Uh, I already know where you're going. Margot Lane. I already know. Was rumored to be the sister of Lois Lane. Yeah, I did see that. I didn't have that down here, too. But that doesn't mean anything. That's rumored. I mean, that, that, that's not legit. Although, I mean, I'm not going to be surprised if in 10 years I don't see a movie with the shared DC universe and I see a Shadow movie and they have Margot Lane as, as the uh, sister of Lois Lane. I'm pretty sure a new Shadow movie has been in the work for sort of a few years now, but I think the rights to the Shadow are very muddied. It's very much like some of it is in the common, um, common domain now, so anybody can do it, but certain parts of his backstory and powers and supporting characters are not quite 90 years old yet. So people right. can't certain people can't use some of the rights. Well, the problem with the shadow is that if it comes out now, people are going to be like, "Oh, that's just ripping off Batman." People aren't going to realize that it's before Batman. Right. So even it's just it's almost like they got to put that in the trailer before Batman. There was like they there was the shadow. Well, that's the problem with a lot of like um, Thanos is actually was ripped off from uh, Apocalypse or Darkseid in DC Comics, but because he came first in the movies. When DC Comics started to try to introduce it, I'm sure if they had gotten further in the Justice League series that they wanted to do, 
people would have been all, hey, this is just Thanos again. Yeah, exactly. Even though Darkseid came first originally. Exactly. So, back to the fun facts. Did you know that the its first radio play was in 1937 and it, The Shadow was played by Orson Welles? I did know that. Nice, nice. Well done, well done. Have you ever heard any of them? No. They're actually not bad. The radio plays or so the, the Shadow? The Orson Welles ones, yeah. yeah. I've heard other ones that aren't Orson Welles and they're... I mean, he's Orson Welles is fantastic, so they are kind of like elevated, but his are very, very good. And right. He does a really good shadow voice. Nice, nice. Okay, well, let's get into the movie. Did you did you like it? Would, <laughs> <laughs> so I saw this movie when it first came out. When did you see this movie? When it was out in the theaters? Oh, I saw this movie when I was out. Okay, so now we are. If you, we've probably already talked about this, but we're from Connecticut. Yes. So, uh, you know, no apologies. Um, <laughs> so. We're from, we're around the New Haven area. Where did you, because I saw it at, where I saw, this was the last movie I saw at the, I want to say Old Orange, but the first Old Orange, which was the one that was on Exit 41, and um, then it moved across the street, or across the bridge to the other one. But I saw it, it was the last one of the original uh, Showcase 1-7. I probably saw it in the same place, because unless it played at the Fourplex or Cherry Street, that's probably where I had seen it. Well, this one was the one that has the long driveway, and you go all the way down. And right, 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 right. Yeah. Okay. So this was so we. I saw this at a screening. So, fun fact: when you work at a movie theater, not not now because <laughs> it's it's apparently frowned upon, and uh, you know, corporate's really uncool about it. But <laughs> but back in the day, when you used to work at the theater, everyone knew that like Thursday because Thursday night. Because this is when film was film, it wasn't digital, and you had to build prints. So you, the way you build a film print, you get it in cans, you get like six, five to six reels. Have we gone over this before here? Not on this no. podcast. No. So you go, you get, a, you get cans, you get five, to, you get two cans, and they have five to six reels of film. They're twenty minutes each, but you have to splice the entire movie together. So you have to figure out what's heads, what's tails, and make sure that it's not upside down. And when they do this, the, the projectionist has to then watch the movie to make sure that he did it correctly. I will give you a couple. <laughs> I once watched. <laughs> I watched Star. Trek First Contact, and I watched at a, at a sequence because the the projections I put it together put real six ahead of real five, so I saw the ending before I saw what was going up to the ending, and nobody realized it because it was just it was the clip the cut was so seamless. You were just like, what what's going on here? <laughs> and then I remember watching Independence Day, and one of the one of the uh, Excuse me. One of the reels, one of the twenty minutes, was upside down. So I had to watch the entire movie upside down. <laughs> that was really upsetting. Even though you know Independence Day. So this is what they did back in the day because you had to check it. And so then when the projections would watch it, of course all the managers and all the employees wanted to watch it with them. And back then it was fine. It was cool. It was you, you basically at the end of the night the theater closed. It was midnight. You pe- people would wait. Okay, ready to watch it, and you just watch the movie. You know, and that's great. It was that was probably why I probably stuck with working at the theater when I was so young because it was just like free movies every Thursday night. Absolutely. So that is why that is when I watched The Shadow with a bunch of friends of mine, and that was the last. So that I had seen it then. I saw it again maybe like ten years later, and then until now, until when we for this. So, so my experience with The Shadow is a memorable movie theater going experience. I just wanted to lay that out there. <laughs> so The Shadow is probably I don't remember exactly where I saw it, but I remember I did see it in the theater. I remember. The ads for the toys. I actually have a couple of the uh, the shadow action figures. I was never allowed to have the taxi, uh, most taxi, which I really <laughs> regretted because this taxi was cool. I also wanted the Dakota ring, which they sold. Like I remember the shadow being like this really cool Batman type character. I really liked the hat. I was really into Darkwing Duck at the time as well, which Darkwing Duck is uh, like hardcore Darkwing Duck. You're really into it. Oh, well, as a kid, yeah. 
Did as much as like, a kid could you, be. Did you dress like Darkwing Duck? Uh, probably I pretended to be Darkwing nice. Duck a couple times. I had nice. his magnifying glass. But Darkwing Duck was heavily inspired by the shadow. He yeah. had the hat. He had the scarf. Um, his his saying was very similar to, he knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men. So That's pretty much on par. That's exactly what he says. Yeah. Um, so I was really into the shadow when the shadow came out. It was like, all right, this is like a hardcore Darkwing Duck. He's kind of like Batman. I really liked his outfit, and I was like, all right, this is cool. So when I watched The Shadow, I was really into it. I was seven years old, so <laughs> that's why I like Darkwing Duck so much. Oh, I'm so old. I feel so old. <laughs> I wasn't 17. I wasn't, I wasn't supposed to be a dig in your age. It was no, just, I, this I, is what I'm coming from I as a seven-year-old. I didn't take it as a dig. I yeah. was 19 back then. That's exactly, fine. Yeah. 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 So we're coming at it from different ages. Listen, I know that it, I know, it sucks to get old. I get that. Everyone says that. But honestly, like, I am... I'm like almost. I'm happy that I got to see some of these movies that everyone's like, "Oh, I love this movie." Movies come back out in theaters, like Jurassic Park, and all these movies that are coming back out in theaters. It's like, yeah, but I got to see these when they first were out, so I got to experience those kind of like the the initial like hype. Like everyone's asking me, like, if you get a time machine, what would you do? And it's like I would go back to movie premieres, and like I'd want to watch Jaws when it first came out. Like I would want, I want to watch. You know what I mean? I want to watch yeah. Raiders when it first came out. You know, because I was way too young to remember that. I was four years old, or no, six years old when it came out. So. You know that that's the kind of stuff. Like I'm glad that I got to experience stuff like this. Right. So that's good. Don't worry about don't worry about the old jokes. It's all right. That's also, that's <laughs> what, I'm just trying to point out that I'm gonna really like the shadow. Spoiler oh. alert. So I'm coming at it from a kid who grew up with it, and then I've watched it a few times since then. Had it on VHS. My fiance has never had never seen it a few years ago, so I bought the DVD. Yeah, which by the way doesn't have special features. Really? Somebody get get on that. <laughs> um. Watched it with her. She was not a huge fan. I asked her if she wanted to watch it with me again the other day. She said no. Uh, and then so I watched it by myself, sadly. Um, Your uh, fiance sounds like a smart woman. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So why don't we, uh, why don't you tell me something that you, that still held up for you? From your initial viewing to now. I'll tell you the same thing, which is why I wanted, why I think we both kind of wanted to add it to this yeah, list. Yeah, yeah. Is his backstory, which isn't actually a part of his lore uh, previously, but that David Kep made it, where he's got this dark backstory. He's not; he was not a good person. He was a terrible barbarian type warlord in, uh, I think, China. No, he was. It, was it Taiwan? China? No, it was. It was around. Like, yeah, it was like um, they said it. Some province. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And so he basically went over there for World War One, became a drug lord, and Opium. just basically murdered people. Shooting through his own advisors to get people that wronged uh, him. That's an awesome. Uh, that's that's oh, when we. T- anytime someone brings up the shot, I always bring up that line: "Shoot through him." It's so a great line. I always bring up that line. But something to be something I wondered is: so he comes back when he comes back to New York City. Why is he rich? How is he rich? Is he rich because he's because he was an opium uh, drug lord and he just took all the money with him? I'm sure he probably gave all that to the towns that he destroyed. He probably had to have made his sensei or whatever, his his Buddhist uh, Buddha type guy, probably told him, hey, you have to give all that back to the people that you've been wronged. But he has family money. Okay. And that's part of his lore. Listen, that's fine. And that's great in the comics and that's great in the pulp novels and that's great in all there. But in this movie, they never say that. Right. They never say that. And so I, I, I just, not even a throwaway line. Like he has got the biggest house and I saw one servant. I saw one butler who looked like he was 95 years old and that was it. And I'm sitting there going, okay, where's your money? And who the heck is cleaning your house? (laughs) Who the heck is putting this fire on all the time? 
And they never show anybody. They never show anybody. And like that that also got me wondering, you know, he he's the shadow and I get it. He tricks the people's mind, so they probably see him and then when they figure out the shadow, he just does like oh, I'm not the shadow. He, he's you know, does that right. whole thing with them. But that you gotta do that an awful lot of times if you're just okay willy nilly about who you are. And you know, he doesn't really hide it a lot. Like doesn't really care to. Eh. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. So what held up for you was just his backstory, which I know what you're talking about because I read how Kep talked about he focused on you know he knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men like that line and that kind of shaped him to figure out like why does he know the what evil? Oh, lurks. I like, like, I like, know, like that. that. Yeah. Like he, so he kind of that's where that backstory came from. Created that you know just he was evil and which makes complete sense. I just to your point, I'd like to, I would have liked to have seen more of that. I would like to have had. If you're if that if this is made now now this is one of the things I enjoyed about the movie which I'm gonna sound like I'm gonna complain about but I'm not right if this was made today it probably would have been a little bit more serious it would have been because it would have been like probably like Dark Knight it would have been like something like that and I probably want to see that type of shadow movie but since it's made in the 90s this is very very symbolic. Of the '90s, absolutely. Of, of yep. '90s superhero filmmaking, or I mean, I, I don't want to really technically call him a superhero. It's a comic book movie, almost, right? Would you say it's that? Even though it's yeah, a pulp I mean, novel, he's got powers, but yeah, it, it really is pulpy. Yeah. It really is kind of mixed with like Dick Tracy, meets right. Batman Returns. That's one say. of my notes here. Is like, is what I enjoy about this is the production design, is the special effects, all create the overall tone of '90s filmmaking. That Dick Tracy style New York City, which I like. Um, I, I actually like the Dick Tracy movie uh, with Warren Beatty. As do I. Yes. So, like, I like watching, I like seeing the digital matte paintings. I like seeing the the models. I like seeing the matte when they're on the bridge in the beginning and that, that hue, you could tell I got that's the, a matte. Yeah, it's a yeah. backdrop. And- you could tell that and I'm fine with that. Um, I enjoy all that. So, like, it, that, that to me didn't pull me out, didn't bother me because, I mean, anything that, not that I can see like, oh, I, I know how they did that or in terms of filmmaking wise, I just think I can appreciate it because I know, like you know, that's a lot of there's a lot of manpower and there's a lot of talent that goes into all that, right? And I can appreciate that. So that's one of the things I enjoyed about my the revisit of this movie. I enjoyed the humor as well. Sometimes, sometimes I thought the humor was kind of like eh. too jokey, too much. Yeah, I thought that it was just kind of like I don't know, like like there's lines that I like in the movie. You know, like when he's like, "Would you get that tie?" He's like, "Brooks Brothers." Like that's. Did stuff. you know that that's actually supposed to be like pretty much on on point with what they used to do in the radio show? Uh, they used yeah. to compliment each other's clothing pieces and stuff, and then mention where it's from. Yeah, product placement, stuff early like product that, yeah. placement. What helps this movie is the style of the era of the 1930s. I think that adds to the comic book feel of the pulp novel. You know, right sense of the film. I think that adds to it. So does their dialogue as well. I mean, I mean, Alec Baldwin. He's very kind of stoic most of the time, even when he's kind of being jokey. Uh, He's got a dry sense of humor. But um, his uh, Uncle Wayne, uh, Margot, Tim Curry's character—they all kind of talk in this is in this way of of like really placing you in the time. Yeah, and I really think I like that. I mean, it it comes off as a little like cheesy nowadays because that's not really how people talk even back then. But it's how they spoke. When they film things, mm-hmm. so I I kind of really dug that. Yeah, especially the club scenes. When he, oh, when him and Winters together when they're at, Jonathan Winters is funny. Like like I almost feel like I'm watching when I'm watching those scenes and I see Winters. It's almost like I can tell like not that he's holding back, but it, like it's almost like he could. I want to see him funnier. Okay, yeah. But he does like maybe he has those little zingers every once in a while. 
but like I just I'm kind of like I, I get the sense that it was just like it was he wasn't going full on full on Winters, which is hilarious. Jonathan Winters <laughs> is hilarious. Oh, it's got sequels. Maybe you could have seen more. Of that. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe. So yeah, so I, I understand what you're saying, uh, but you know what? Since you brought up the characters, I thought that they didn't use Curry's character Claymore Farley Claymore enough. Like, I agree. They, they didn't use uh, McKellen's character enough. Yeah, and Dr. I mean, Lane. knowing who Ian McKellen is now, what he has done compared to when he... I mean, this is like probably early Ian McKellen. So, I mean, you know, he's not Gandalf. He's not, you know, Magneto. Right. So he's not really the star that he is now. So you don't know. You but know he's the I mean? man that built the... Essentially, he built the A-bomb early by himself oh, in this story. Yeah. So in terms of story-wise, I don't understand why they didn't just use him more for that. Just, just to focus on that. I mean, I do like that they're trying to figure out. I like the scene where they're trying to figure out the name of what. What would you call this? Oh, so it's like some kind of atomic bomb, and I thought that was a. I kind of thought that was lame, but also kind of awesome. <laughs> that line is is both good and bad. So Claymore is working on the Brilliant Sphere. So are we to are we to assume that this is a shared universe with Galaxy Quest? Because aren't they going after Beryllium and Galaxy Quest? They are. They need it to uh, power their... So, like... So, I mean, like, I'm wondering... I mean, can can we say this is a shared universe? Sure. <laughs> we can say whatever we want. We can? Oh, excellent. Did you notice that Alf's dad was in it? I did not. Yeah, the the curator in the beginning, when they first find Shiwan Khan... or Gen- It's supposed to be Genghis Khan's silver tomb, but Shiwan Khan is in it. And he's like, what's this? And he's like, not... He's like, he's the worst curator. He's like, dude, open it up. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, did you notice the uh, guard? The prison, uh, the guard in the museum? That's uh, Neelix from Star Trek Voyager. Yeah, I got that. I knew he was a Star Trek guy. And I was going to write the note down, and then I'm like, Michael, do it. Yeah. <laughs> Trek watch. <laughs> um, one of the things... Just, I don't want to go... I don't want to go too nitpicky, but... So in that scene, because we're talking about the opening, in that scene, he comes out of the case, it opens up, it comes out of the tomb, it opens up, he tells that guy to shoot himself, he does, and then he hides. So, like, why are you hiding? I thought the same thing. Yeah. Like, you, you can just tell people what to do. You can just control people's minds. Or you could just walk straight ahead and, like, disappear, they won't see you. If he wants to control the city, why not just have those two guys clean up the body? Not have the police investigate anything, not have anybody on the trail. Although, he's kind of making his mark with that first dead body, and kind of, I think he's trying to goad the shadow out, so maybe maybe that's why. But see, here's the thing. He doesn't goad him out, because he just follows him to his lair. That's it's like, too. really yeah. like, hey, what's up? It's like, what? Which I do like that scene a lot. I've, I always like scenes where the villain and the hero meet up at one point and just have a discussion. The scenes themselves, like that scene, and then the scene when they meet in the Chinese uh, food store, restaurant yep. store, the Chinese <laughs> restaurant. When they when they first meet, those two scenes are are good. They're engaging. They're funny. They're both you know whatever. It's, yeah. it's, it's it's well done. But in terms of just kind of like how they got there, and in the point of the story, it just doesn't. It's part of the part of my note of it being muddy. Like just everything's just all over the place like sure. it's it's real like so like i explained the plot of the story in the in the beginning of this so you, explain it to me like basically like guy comes here wants to blow up the city gets a bomb shadow's gotta stop him done that's like a 20 minute movie and there's like there's stuff in here where they're they're trying to do the stuff with Margot and her she's telepathic and he talks about how like oh she doesn't know how powerful she is but we never go back to that she's still telepathic i think we want to establish a 
a universe for sequels. And but, I think that's kind of what they're doing, especially with Margot, because she is a main character in all of Shadow lore. So you know that I think they assume, oh, man, we're going to make so much money. Alec Baldwin's hot right now. Super like hot. Superheroes. Let's let's do this movie. Make a sequel to in two years from now. We'll do another one. We'll do Shadow 2. You know, but do you think they're really thinking that back then? Because now, now you're I, thinking I, of like this is 20, 2019 eyes you're looking back at where everything's world building now. I mean, at that point, I don't think necessary world building, but building characters to continue on the story. You've got Batman at this point. Batman Returns has come out. This is ninety four, so Batman was eighty nine. Batman Returns was yes ninety two. I think ninety two. So yep. You've got a movie franchise already where they're like, okay, and our our character is similar to Batman. Mm-hmm. We could definitely make more of these. So I think they introduce things like the his his uncle uh, Margot, and you know, say, okay, we can make a more of a world out of this. I think that's why we don't visit um, his training as much because we can go back to it later. Stuff like that. I mean, no, it's 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 funny is that every time I want when I was watching it all I kept thinking was Batman 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 and it's just like a, that's unfair as we said before because it became it came before Batman mm-hmm. but again anybody going back to it now is going to say that and I think I think that's probably partly why maybe this movie is not not that it needs giving its due but people just really just don't I don't I never saw that movie and don't care to because I think they they view it as a Batman clone I guess. I mean, I never look at it like, hey, this is Batman. It's a, I mean, he's it's a rich guy who dresses up at night and beats up bad guys. That's there's, the Batman story. There's a ton of, <laughs> of heroes and vigilantes who do the same thing. Sure. I mean, take away the rich guy aspect of the Punisher is a Batman character. You know, whoa, it's whoa, whoa. Like it's well, Punisher's killing people. Punisher's killing people. Shadow's Batman got don't. guns. Shadow yeah. kills people. He doesn't kill anybody in this movie. Speak, oh, no, he does. He does kill somebody in this movie because when he, when he <laughs> pushes the, when they take um, Reinhardt right. away. He goes there and he fights them. He knocks, he pushes the guy off the roof and they land on that gargoyle and he's like, next time uh, you be on top, which, oh, I, right. okay. which I can't believe that line made it through. <laughs> next time you get to be on top. Uh. That guy's dead. Like That's, he leaves okay. him there. That's true. And then, cause then the next guy he tries to save, which I didn't understand. Why are you trying to save that guy when you just completely just broke this dude's back? Well, the guy... Tosses the shadow off the ledge. No, the, no, and no. They both they, go tumbling. They both go they? tumbling off, and then the shadow lands on him. Right. And then the second guy, the, the second shadow guy, flips yeah, over he and tries he, to catch yeah, him. Yeah. I don't blame that death on him, but that death should have been bloodier because he fell from a, a pretty a skyscraper, and he just, you know, it should have been blood everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's you. You once tried to get me to watch Arrow on CW, right. and I was like, dude, it's Batman. It's Batman, and I, and I I know that's an unfair criticism. I'm sure because it's based on a comic book and all that stuff, and I get it. Plus, I wasn't into it. So yeah. Arrow, Arrow, kind of they do take a lot of Batman do they? stuff and add it to his his backstory, which never was there before. So now I, I got a question because I talked about how I like the '90s style, right? Do you think that this movie suffers from the fact that it's a? Do you think it's a victim of '90s era filmmaking, like? Do you think that do you think the style of filmmaking in during this time, what, whatever the tools they had or the, the the special effects they had, whatever it is, do you think that that hurts the movie for future audiences? For future audiences, yes. Okay. I think I appreciate it like the same way you appreciate it. Yes, it's very nostalgic. You look back and go, oh man, that's so '90s. You can appreciate the that's way it was so done. So '90s. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you look at it today and it's like he doesn't kill anybody. Why? Probably because they had a mandate back then. They don't, don't have him kill anybody. Don't use his guns. Today, you could, like you said, make the movie darker. I would love to see a shadow remake, but I would love to see them 
used da- some of David Kep's stuff. I want to see that dark backstory for the shadow. Well, you, uh, I, I already know where you're going with this. Someone else is going to have to do you it. You want to see a six episode series on HBO? Well, I always, <laughs> I always do, but I'm I'm okay with a movie series as well, right. or just a single movie. See how it works. But I I like a lot of the stuff I like is stuff that David Kep introduces, which like the the dagger the. Well, I mean, I think that, some of his training right. is is actually established lore, but some of it isn't. And again, it's the rights are pretty much everywhere in terms of what parts of the shadow you can use. And I would really love to see a grittier version of this shadow. Now, is that what we would get if Sam Raimi got his hands on no. it? No, you get Spider Man, which is fine. I like Spider Man, but, but that's what you would get. The shadow to differentiate himself from Batman should be using his guns. He should be killing the villains. That's what he did on the radio show. He wasn't. This clean cut. I'm. I'm. I got a no kill rule. It was. I know what evil lurks in the hearts of men. You know. Yeah. They deserve to die. Mm-hmm. I would say that. I'd like to see. I'd like to see a movie. But I would like to see a movie that's only given ten million dollars to make. Like I would like to see a movie that's not because ten million dollars not to me is not low budget. But I get it. But like something where you rely on the wits of the filmmaker and the story itself has like I would rather see that kind of shadow see the setting makes it difficult although you could do a modern shadow while I was looking at it I was thinking what would be cool would be taking like what they want to do with Zorro now where it's like modern day doing a shadow where you you keep the line of shadows going um, which another movie that's very much like the shadow but not as good uh, The Phantom with uh, Billy Zane oh my god but do you remember that do you remember that movie yes how I they do. have like okay there have been phantoms all throughout history why not do that with the shadow okay and then have like a cross story where you can do some 20 stuff but save on budget by doing more modern stuff as well I don't mind it modern or or contemporary or, or 30s or whatever it is that's fine 30s is tough to do low budget though because you need you, need you would have stuff. you would have to rely on sets again. right and I mean yes agreed so okay so if I if I'll I'll uh, re-engineer my thinking so if it's a modern day shadow I would still like it to be a 10 million dollar budget you know you, you get quality acting quality actors quality writing it's not you know your studio's not forcing you to put somebody in that all that stuff you 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 know like you like hey listen we have the shadow we like the couple movies that you have done go 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 do something with this we're only going to give you 10 million and uh go go get us go make us something really nice doesn't have to be big don't make it big give me give me like give me like like john wick the first john wick was only 20 million dollar budget and and you know lionsgate didn't know what to you know didn't know what to do with it and they went off made it on their own then they bought it so go do that Give me that kind of shadow, and I'd be interested in seeing that. Absolutely. His power set doesn't require a ton of money. Camera tricks, some shadows on the wall, stuff like that. Which, in this movie, I really like when he first enters the hotel, and his shadow is very animated and very cartoony, and it spreads out with the cloak and the silhouette. You're talking about, oh, in the, at the end of the movie. Right, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you could absolutely do this on a low budget. Uh, and then if it you know takes off, do do more and more. Well, a lot like John Wick. Yeah. I, I, could, would would John would the shadow be living in the John Wick universe? I wonder. Could he be part of that universe? Well, let's not ruin the John Wick franchise. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> Did you like John Lone? Like he played Shiwan Khan. I re- I do really like. Okay. I like that he's. I don't want to go back to John Wick again, but the character is John Wick 3, which by this point... Uh, I don't care. You're listening Spoil to probably, John Wick 3. I don't care. No, no, no. I'm just saying he's probably left the theaters by now. <laughs> but there's a character in John Wick 3 who's really into John Wick, but he's still trying to hunt him down. I like that Shiwan Khan... The sushi chef. The sushi chef. Correct. Yeah. 
Um, Say that five times. Yeah, no, I think I said it wrong right now. <laughs> <laughs> I like that she won. Really admires um, Yinko. I guess is was um, Lamont's name when he was in the warlord right, kind right, of stage. Right. And he really looks up to what he did and how evil he was and how powerful he was during even his training um, to become the shadow. So I like. I like that he's really kind of enamored by him and that he's kind of more angry that he doesn't want to join his evil plot than that he is of him trying to stop him. What's evident of that is when he sends Margot to kill him and he knows that he's expecting him to kill Margot. Nice tie. Thank you. By the way, you sent Margot Lane to kill me. Kill you? <laughs> if I wanted you there, Yinko, I wouldn't have your liver on the pole by now. I sent a girl to be killed. Tell me, how did you kill her? She's alive. And she's a danger to you. She now knows exactly who you are. How long will you let her live? How long before your pure instincts take over? Which, I have to ask you, how is the Shadow not able to control Margot, but she Wong Khan can? I wondered the same thing. Yeah. And then he's able to break her out of the... Yeah. Out of the spell? I think I got the answer. That's called inconsistency. Yes. That's not good. I, I, can't, I can't justify that. Well, also, you're supposed to think that Shiwon Khan is a little more powerful than the Shadow, because he's able to control the dagger, which Lamont has never been able to do. Which he does at the end. He finally is able to yeah, do. Yeah, which they never really explain how. How he... Like, he couldn't... Re, he, like, I find it hard to believe that for seven years, he couldn't figure out the clearest mind at one point and control the dagger at one point. Like, I couldn't figure that out. Like, so, again... Well, I also read that there was more to that scene as well. That that mirror scene, that whole entire end sequence was supposed to be a lot longer where you actually saw more of his backstory as a warlord because it played on these mirrors. Shiwan Khan projected it on, on his mind and the shadow becomes really kind of confused because he's seeing all these things when he was evil and it's really stopping him from being able to do what he needs to do. But a some kind of storm there was, there was an earthquake. Earthquake, yep, destroyed the set. So they had to just do what they could do with what right. they had. So that's why that sequence feels, and it does. This time when I watched it, I, even before I read that, it felt very rushed. Right. Oh, he's running into this place. Let me go catch him. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> um, so a couple other things that I noticed within the movie itself. I don't know if we've talked about this before. I think me and you have talked about this before off off air, as they say. <laughs> uh, you notice a split diopter shot in the movie, the split field shot. Okay, so I didn't notice one. There's it was, a no. uh, there's a scene. I think she's sitting down. Margot's sitting, and she's she her profile is what's in frame is in the is in the foreground, mm -hmm. and in the background is him sitting at. I think he's doing his. Uh, he's he got shot or something. I think that's what he's doing. Okay, and so they're both in focus. So that's that split field. Have we talked about that? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So real quickly, because I, I, I noticed it, and I know that we're gonna see it again, and I kind of wanted to just kind of go over it a little yeah. bit in case people didn't know. So a split diopter shot is when the, the objects in the frame, both near and far, are in focus. And, and you, the way you, you've seen this before, if you've seen movies, and the way you notice it is that there's a line down the middle of the frame. And usually it's blurred out by the, by the editor or the director just to kind of like hide it. But it's, 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 a convex, it's a convex piece of glass that's attached to the lens that splits the shot in two. And it allows you to focus each side so that you can have each side in focus. So if like I'm super close up staring and you've got my eyes and there's a dude behind me with a gun, he's going to shoot me. If you, you can't have in a regular with a regular shot with the camera, you can't have both in focus. It's either me or the guy behind me. Sometimes you'll see a rack focus where 
you might see my eyes and they might like, I might not notice. And then a rack focuses, it's called to the guy behind me, the background, and that'll come in focus. But you can't do it at the same time unless you do, uh, unless you use a split field shot. But you can't hide the fact that there's usually a line there. So like, sometimes people will hide it where they'll try to line the line up with a diagonal portion of the scenery. Or they might like try to keep it in darkness, like in the middle, like so you don't notice it. But typically it's usually blurred out. This is you would notice this if you watch uh, a lot of Brian De Palma movies. He does this a, a lot in a lot of his films. So he'll have, he'll use the uh, split field shot a lot. So something I noticed in this one, and I, I did want to bring it up, and I, now I have. So there you go. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So I I, I don't, I've never used that shot personally. I kind of want to, but I don't. I'm not a fan. Of, it's tough of because, that because because when I'm watching it, immediately I'm like. Split the after like immediately I see it and I go to that and I'm just like eh. I think like, it depends on how well done it is. I didn't notice it this time, but I think it was it was a few months ago that I noticed it for the first time really and it really stood out and it was jarring. So I think if you don't do it well and like you said if it's not dark yeah, it, it's really like uh, what's there's, going on. Here? There's ways to hide it and even if they're able to hide the line in the middle, it when you watch the movie you notice it regardless because you're like that shouldn't be like there's yeah, something off about it yeah, exactly even your human eye doesn't focus like that right right and then when you're sometimes when you're watching movies and you've seen them for so long you've seen you've watched so many films that you'll notice when the rack focus is going to come because you'll see in the frame that there's somebody like in the background moving you're like here it comes there's yep. a rack, like you know that kind of <laughs> stuff like so you you notice that the but that's just kind of like just always watching movies I do like rack focus. <laughs> I, 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 I like that trick. Did you also? Not did you also? <laughs> so when they're doing the messaging tubes, yes. Okay. Did you get like a 1984 vibe from the dude just sitting there with all the tubes pointing at him? The movie 1984 when he's just sitting there, he's waiting for messages to deliver to the to the shadow. A little bit, yeah. 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 I mean, I, I just really like the night, the old schoolness of it. I, I really like just like. I mean, that's pretty much the internet for that age is those tubes. <laughs> At, at no point, nobody noticed these tubes around the city. Like, just one tube that's just in the middle of air. Yep. <laughs> Who's that? Oh, those Lamont Cranston's tubes. What does he use them for? I don't know. Who knows? Cranston, he's weird. He's a rich old guy <laughs> from opium trade. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you hear that? That guy, I know. <laughs> um, what did you think of Tim Curry's character? I mean, you said he wasn't used enough, but did you think he was too over the top? Did you think he was good? Well, Tim Curry's usually over the top. Right. Uh, I think that if I don't, I don't mind like because that's always a, a iconic scene in the movie where he's just spinning around shooting wildly like a crazed man. When he goes nuts, I love that when he goes nuts. Yeah, but. <laughs> You're a fool, Claymore. <laughs> Get out of my sight. <laughs> Here's your exit, Playboy. <laughs> but, like, that's... I. Part of me wants to see him... Because he just completely turns... He just basically turns heel. He's a bad guy. He's... I, I think he's inconsistent. I mean, he's definitely a bad guy. Yeah. But his attitude and his behavior is very inconsistent. Is he a little weasel? Is he super brave? I mean, he's kind of pretty cocky when he traps the shadow and he's like, I've got you. 
Right. Oh, oh, it, when he's in the sphere? When he's in the sphere, he's just yeah. like, I know exactly what to do. Turns on the water, breaks a thing, locks him in, shoots him. Right. It's like, well, that's good moves. That's better yeah. than Shiwan Khan did this whole move. Yeah, and also, like, the, like the, the shadow's pretty brazen. He's just like, he doesn't realize that he's going to get, when he, when he floods the thing, floods the sphere, he's going he's gonna to be seen. And he, he's just like, eh. yeah, he's laughing, and then he gets shot. It's just like, <laughs> oh, crap. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I would have liked to see maybe more moments of that, like a little bit more of like he's not as good as Batman. Like he's, it's a little more risk. Like okay, Batman's perfect. He's the perfect fighter. He's the perfect this and that. And Lamont Grant is just you know doing his best, <laughs> struggling. I, I do like that he gets shot in the arm both times though. Like just once and then the other the other shoulder. Like that's that's just what happens. Oh, always getting winged. <laughs> Claymore, I think. I'm wondering if there was scenes that were missing. Like, I'm wondering if there was... Because there's no scene where, like, Shi Wong Khan goes to Claymore. To, That's true, you yeah. You know what I mean? So maybe we're missing that. Or maybe he was going to hypnotize him. He's like, no, no, we're good. No, I'm, I'm all about it. Let's go. Let's blow up the world. So, yeah, did he talk to him before he arrived to New York? Or did he talk to him once he got to New York? Right. Right. I never thought about that either. That, that's very... Because he just kind of... You only see him one... What's funny is that when you first see him... He's clearly a creep and like he's like creeping all over Margot Lane and like her, her father's just like, what? Huh? What's going on? It's like he's like oblivious to the fact that you know, this, there's a, this, this creep is like, you know, like and she like complains to him. And it's almost like it's almost like she, you wanted to be like, hey, dad, uh, your, your partner's a creep. You know, please yeah. stop putting him. Please stop putting me in his crosshairs. Like, stop, like pushing him towards me. Well, she kind of says that. Yeah, but I, mean, she, I don't but, know why but, he wor- you work for him. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I thought that was uh, I thought that was interesting. <laughs> so I know we already talked about the, the Alf's dad and then Neelix from. But did you notice there were a bunch of other little tiny like cameos? Yep. So there was the uh, nurse from ER as one of the two guards. No, oh, Abraham Ben Ruby. Yep. Yeah. And uh, the guy who jumps off the Empire State Building. Well, the other guard was somebody too. Was he? He um, he looked familiar, but oh, I can't place him. He's a character actor, but he's you've seen him. What was the other guy you're talking about? The guy who jumps off the Empire State Building is Patrick oh, Fischler. Yep. Uh, who's uh, unhappy? Uh, he's in Twin Peaks. You know, if you see him, you're like... He's a uh, character actor. Yeah. You have no idea but he looks about. exactly the same. Like, this dude has not aged at all in, like, I'm sure he appreciates years. that. He probably yeah. appreciates that very much. Listen, Patrick Fischler, what's your secret? <laughs> and then one of the uh, one of the Mongols who doesn't look like he belongs. Uh, I don't know if you noticed him. No. Which, uh, which scene? Uh, he's in a couple of the scenes. He's in the attack when uh, the shadow attacks the lab and tries to save the, uh, the father. And he's also, toward the end, he's standing front and center next to Shiwan Khan when he's given the order to, hey, stop the shadow in the hotel. Right. So that is Nils Allen Stewart, who is, if you if you see him, like if you pause and you're like, oh, that guy with the handlebar mustache, you've seen him in like The Mask, in Space Cowboys, in a ton of guest roles, and apparently he's super prolific as a stuntman. So he probably did a lot of the stunts and said, hey, can I be, you know, a character in the movie? And they're like, yeah, sure. Yeah, but he's still doing a ton of things. Oh, right now? Yeah, right now. And then the, obviously Larry Hankin was... Uh, the taxi driver who blows himself up. <laughs> yeah, I know. You need gas. I love that. You know, uh, thanks for dropping me off at this place that um, I'm trying to make sure nobody knows about. Uh, can you just go do this giant explosion over there? <laughs> sure, that's, that's over <laughs> that, there. That then. won't draw. That won't draw any attention to this block. <laughs> Not at all. Not a huge gas explosion in the middle of downtown New York City. No, no shut down everything. Not at all. Not at all. So. I know. I asked you if you like John Lowe. One of the things that, and I don't know if this is a negative or a positive. 
one of the things that I what I what, his performance and probably because he was being jokey was that he reminded me a lot of Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for this movie. Well, I think the fact that you asked me about it means that you don't think it's a good thing. I don't know. I don't know because I love Big Trouble in Little China. It's a so good I just don't know if that's that movie though has that tone. Like that tone is set forth. Like that's that movie. Right. This movie, part of the the, the lack of focus. One of my notes is that you know Indiana Jones is based. The Indiana Jones series is based on the serials that you would watch on TV back in the day. Mm-hmm. But. And the shadow is based on obviously pulp serials itself. So there's the source material is very much the same. Right. Indiana Jones are solid story. It's solid storytelling. Well, Indiana Jones also, even though the storylines and some of the action are based on those, sure. I feel like the tone is not. Well, they kind I'm of not, establish their own tone. I don't mean in terms of jokey tones. Okay. I mean in terms of lack of of lack or lack of focus in terms of the shadow in terms of storytelling wise that's what I'm talking about just the focus of what that story like and I'm not saying whether it's an executive or producer somebody sits down and is like okay we're gonna make the shadow I want it to be as you know I want it to be just like this I want it to be just like I remember whereas when you sat down and do Anita Jones it was like oh I want it to be an homage to those right you know what I mean I don't want it to be what those were because those weren't great you know like they're we were we were 10 years old when we watched these you know yeah. like yeah we have yeah the other thing is you're comparing uh, the Shadow to uh, something that Spielberg and Lucas worked on so. why can't I do that I can uh, I feel like their work is elevated above like it's just like come why, on. why can't I expect that of anything else? Why can't when I see something when it's done right and it's done great, I should expect that from my other movies. You could you should expect people to work off of that and to have learned from that. So, so I should excuse to, mediocrity. To reach those levels is 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 difficult. So so basically, what you're saying is my critique should be like, listen, man, you did the best you could do, but you're mediocre and you're not good enough. But you know what? I'm not going to give you a hard time about it because you're not good. You're not that good enough. You're not like the greats. Sorry. I can't do that. I just think of going up to everybody and go, no Spielberg. Like, no shit, there's no Spielberg. It's Spielberg. If you have the perfect, if I'm gonna, if you have, if somebody gives you a chocolate bar and it is the <laughs> best chocolate bar you have ever had in your entire life, nothing compares to it. Like you orgasm after you have this chocolate bar, <laughs> and then you're not gonna like any other kind of chocolate. Uh, I'm not eating this chocolate bar in public ever again. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is what I'm saying. If you experience something that's really good, and I'm not saying that I orgasm during Indiana Jones. That's a bad analogy. But what I'm saying is that if you see it done right and you see it done great, you can't really excuse other stuff be- just because, well, they tried. I get that. I get that. But that's not... Again, we're we're down we're down a ways where I wasn't meaning to go. I'm just simply saying I thought the shadow lacked focus. <laughs> it, it, I'll, I'll 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 give you that. There there are some moments where they try to skew darker, but they've already kind of established the pulpy feel. I think they try to do a lot of different things. I think they tried to be hey jokey and, and use and I know that I read that Kep wrote a lot of the dialogue because he to kind of match Baldwin's sensibilities and his comedic timing at that point which I I which, like and no and I have no problem with Alec Baldwin as a shadow in fact that's one of my when we put down our likes and dislikes that's one of my likes is him I think he's really good in the movie I just think that everything around him is not as strong whatever it is whatever the reason I, I'm not even going to go into uh, I, I have no idea but to me it just didn't it, it didn't help him at all in terms of help him as the character of the shadow sure that was one of my notes as well. Like, why didn't he do more stuff like this? I'm kind of surprised because he is a really good part of the movie. Even people who 
you know, don't like this movie can see, you know, he's actually not bad with his dry wit and his ability to kind of be, you know, I believe him being a bad guy. So I believe him being the rich guy. I believe him, you know, everything he does is like, it's not something that I can't see him doing. You talking about as a if if, a, if the shadow was among us in as, real life? As like a hero, yeah. <laughs> I believe Alec Baldwin is the shadow. I believe everything else he's done. He is looks a like ruse. his well, when he puts the when he puts the fake nose on. He looks like his brother Daniel Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you like the fake nose? Uh, I don't mind it. I, I don't. I mean, I understand it, so it's fine. No, it's fine. I don't care. I I, I wasn't I wasn't anti nose. It just looks really weird. But again. I think that goes that harkens back to the Dick Tracy style in New York City that that you know that style that 90s style of filmmaking I'm fine with it that's fine I kind of like the nose I know you do I like that he has to hide his like when he appears he still hides his face so that no one can really identify him as not for nothing but if if you've worn scarves before it is really difficult to keep a scarf over your mouth like that he's telepathic he just keeps it on with his mouth no that's not how it works (laughs) (laughs) that's telekinesis he's got both no, he doesn't. He drives the piece of glass into Shiwan Khan's mind. Oh, at the that's end. right. Well, listen, there you go. Again, muddied. Muddied Telekine- in a lack of focus. What are his powers? The dagger. Telekinesis and telepathy. So now, speaking of that, towards the end, are we to assume that the that Lamont Cranston, the Shadow, had people remove his brain? Just take his brain out. Like, are we to assume that? That's pretty. That's pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, badass. Like, I, <laughs> like it makes sense if like the if the. I can understand, like, if the piece of glass damaged that part of the brain and he wasn't able to do it again, that's fine. But you went and did you go and be like, cut it out just in case, scoop it out? I don't know. I don't think we'll ever know. <laughs> At the very least, he's like, I want him sent here so that my own people can keep it. Well, eye on his him. guy was the one that cut it right. out. So who's to assume he's just like, you're going to cut it out of his head? I mean, the glass definitely stabbed him there. <laughs> and clearly he knew where he was stabbing him. So, hey, Shadow, how hey, you sure. doing? How you doing? I'm about to perform procedure. This guy, he is, his lobes are damaged. He can't do anything. You're going to remove it. You're oh. going to scoop it out, or I'm going to scoop <laughs> it out. Release me at once. <laughs> no, we won't have any of that, Mr. Khan. <laughs> Let's just have a look at those stitches, shall we? Stitches? What, what have you done? Saved your life, that's what. Of course, we had to remove a little section of your frontal lobe, but you'll never miss it, believe me. It's a part nobody ever uses. What? What? Unless you believe in telepathy. <laughs> Wait! Come back here! You! Come here! I am C1 Khan! The last season of Genghis Khan. <laughs> oh, oh man, that reminds me of uh, the movie Malice. Do you ever see that? No. Alec Baldwin, isn't that? Yeah. Sorry, that's that's a that's a weird that's a weird <laughs> reference. Because he says that he said he makes I can't remember the line, but he talks about he's gonna sh- carve out your spleen with a spoon or something Ooh. like that. That's a really good movie, actually. You know what? That's going on the list. Yeah. That's forgotten. That's a good movie. Really good. He's a bad guy in that. Oh, it's good. Right. <laughs> well, I think maybe that's also why he's good as the shadow is because he can play a good bad guy. Oh yeah, that darkness that he uses at the beginning. Alec really Baldwin's, a, Baldwin's a, a good actor, yeah. a really good actor, and he's proven it time and time again. Oh, I, I, you know what? I'll tell you one thing. I enjoyed when they he rips off his face. Oh, I have that note as well. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. I, I like how they did it. Creepy for a movie, probably. For well, there was no kid. blood, but yeah, no, yeah, yeah. but like it, it, I like how they did it. I like how the the camera was moving, you know, circling around it, and it was it was hiding the cuts, and uh, with it with the lights and stuff like that, with the stuff in the foreground, and then it gets to the end, and it's basically like he's ripping off the mask, like a Mission Impossible movie, one of those. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But that's fine. I mean, but yeah, no, I I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was. Uh, 
I thought that scene was well done. It was like, especially the second cut when they go in and his hand is all in his face. Like that's really good. Yeah. Yeah, That's really well done. Today that would have been CGI. Oh, absolutely. Boo. Ripped off a like Xbox 360 style CG face and it would be like, all right. And it would have looked fake. And like, like, cause even like, like when he gets shot with the arrows, um, and then he rips through the shadow. Like, oh, right, I like that. If you, but if, but if you're looking at the shadow, when he steps through, you can you can see it. You can see the digital artifact. Oh yeah, thing. there's Maybe, a, there's yeah. a couple. It's like uh, don't use CG for this. It's not ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do feel like they didn't use the shadow trick enough. Like that's his whole shtick. But I get that that was probably difult to do. But I, I would like that to see he, more shadow stuff. He laughs an awful lot in the movie. Like, he reveals his... Like, the whole laughter thing, you know, is it, kind of, like, weird. I, I like the laughter. I, I like, like it. It's it just, drives the people crazy. It's like, where, where is he? <laughs> um, now, do you, did you notice in one of the... In Margot's flashback to Lamont's past, when he's um, in his full-on Mongolian getup and he's, he's butchering people as the warlord, is, are we going to assume he's eating people? He's got blood all over his mouth, in his mouth, like he's been biting and chewing on people. Did you notice that? You're talking about when he's on his horse or when he's sitting there like, you should not be here with his cocaine nails. Not at that point. But then you should not be here. Then it flashes to him like just chopping down people. He might be on a horse. I don't think he was. That. I don't know. I mean. And then he turns to the camera. He's got blood all over well, his mouth. Well, like maybe somebody, maybe he wiped been eating people. I, I don't know if he's eating people. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I was like, yeah. all right. I, I get that he was evil, but. Why are we making him a He probably just has blood on his face. <laughs> How about the fact that the bomb that Shuan Khan is using is pretty much the bomb from Batman and Robin? I I really like that. <laughs> I mean, I don't really like Batman and Robin, but I like the uh, the old school digital display on it. I thought no, that was really cool. I got gotcha. you. I, I like but that. But it's the bomb from Batman and Robin. Uh, pretty much. It's almost like they reused it. I could in the beginning. I'm talking about in the that. beginning when the no, Robins I, I got you, are... Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I could see that. We got this in storage. Yeah, right. Use it. No one remembers the shadow. <laughs> you will use this bomb for your movie. You will watch, like, and subscribe to our podcast. Oh, the shadow. The shadow knows what evil <laughs> lurks in the hearts of forgotten cinema people. <laughs> <laughs> I've been talking about stuff I really like about the movie. One, one of the things that... Oh, well, me the hold most on. You have a dislike? You actually have a dislike? Well, the inconsistency and stuff like that is probably... I would really like to have seen it re- like it's like it remade. One of the things I don't like, and I don't think I ever liked, is the Mongolians that walk around in full on, full getup, like old school sword armor. They're walking around the city, and no one's no one's noticing these guys. They didn't know they noticed them in night of, night of the museum. Why can't they notice them here? Also, how did they get there? He shows up in a silver tomb. What did they do? Did they get on the they, they get on a Pan Am flight? Yeah, they get there. Full armor. No, they went through the, the no metal detectors back then. No. Uh, can you just your your knives have to be put in? The, were they on a sh- the were they on a cargo ship? So they, he was like, "You guys are going now. You're going to take six months to get there. <laughs> I will travel by a silver tomb. Passport, please. Uh, what is your reason? What's the reason for your visit? <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe they were picked up. <laughs> Maybe they were picked up by a phone booth with, by these two guys named Bill and Ted, and then they were taken. <laughs> <laughs> Just sit right here, man. We gotta, we gotta fix the phone booth. Where'd they go? <laughs> so yeah, I mean that was that's probably my big. Is every time I see him, I'm like, how are they walking around town? Why aren't they just dressed in normal clothes? Even Shiwan gets a suit at, at one point and goes, all right, I've got to blend in. With his fake beard. His beard looks fake. That second, when they're meeting together in the in the restaurant, 
I, I was like staring at his beard going, is that real? Is that, that's not real, is it? Maybe just has a patchy. It, uh, patchy it changes too because it's very like, his beard is very, in that scene it looks like it's, it's just his long mustache hairs and they're down here. Mm-hmm. And then the next time we see him, he's got a full on beard. So it looked like it changed a little. You'd have to go back. Yeah, I mean, maybe I, I'm just kind of like, yeah, that. I don't know. I mean, it, this, this did take me two sittings because once again, I fell asleep halfway through the first time. Because I'm old. <laughs> You're not that old. You gotta wake up, dude. Listen, you, I'm up every morning doing stuff called so parenting. Watch the movie in the friggin' morning. I gotta work. Start you know, the movie. I gotta, at I seven. gotta make sure that everyone gets their scheduling you, going. You could you could have watched this movie with your kids. Oh no, no. It's from 1994. No. I'm writing notes, man. I can't be watching the movie though. Yeah, your notes. Listen, I've got full on. I got plans to get them to watch these movies. Your son's about the same age that I was when I watched. He's, he is the same age as I was when I watched. I know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm keeping him sheltered too much. <laughs> maybe I'm being maybe I'm being too uh, too uh, protective. You're right, Butler. You're right. Rated R movies. It is. Let's go. I was want to watch it. <laughs> I was watching Aliens at that age, but I, that was probably it was an action actually, movie. That is was I was never I never watched Alien, but Aliens. Yeah, that's that's more of an action movie. It's a great movie, but the special edition with the guns. I love that scene. That's that's the I can't I, when they when I first saw that the special edition after I seen the original and that they had the gun scene I was like why did you why did Doesn't you make sense cut that out? out I thought it was really cool for those Although, who don't know if you haven't seen the special edition there's a scene where the the aliens are trying to get to the door that they barricade and they have these two automatic machine guns that just go off and they're just just must be killing forty aliens and they're just going through all their ammo because they think that that's gonna stop and they just realize that it's just blowing through all their ammo but it's a great scene and. That they never put it in there. Probably because it was too long. It made the movie too long. Yeah. Then it follows up by my favorite scene, which is when they're in the ceiling. Oh, great scene. Good stuff. I can't. I always have to look up at a paneled ceiling now. Oh, I always think that. Yep. There's two things that I always do. I think of that when I'm in a room and the panel thing, I always think about, they're in the room. There's no way, man. That's right in the room. <laughs> I, st- I think of that. And when I go to my car at the end of the night, when it's dark out um, at the theater mm-hmm. and uh, granted, we're underneath the we're usually underneath the um, parking garage. Parking garage, but if, when it's outdoors and I go to a car late at night, all I think about is the Lost Boys scene when the guy goes to the the couples going to the car, they make it out, <laughs> and you just hear like them flying like ah, ah, and they rip off the cars. So yeah. I always think of that. I don't know why. I don't think I'm gonna get picked up by you know vampires, <laughs> but I always think of those scenes. Nice, nice. What were we talking about again? The shadow. <laughs> I think we're talking about the shadow. I don't know. <laughs> so you would definitely recommend people to go watch this. Oh, your hesitation. This is because this you is, love this movie. This is different. I love this movie, but I I understand the things that people don't like about it are the things I love about it. I think we've done a film like that for you, right? Have we done a film where it's like you recommend it, but most people don't Red, like it? Oh, Hudson Hawk. No, we not did Hudson Hudson Hawk. Red Rock West. I think the Red Rock West one, I, maybe Hudson Hawk, but Red Rock West, I said that if you like filmmaking... That I would re- oh no did I recommend Red Rock West like you, that? You, it wasn't quite that, but Hudson Hawk <clears throat> was a movie that you know yeah. most people don't like, and I know that The Shadow is not very popular. Most people didn't like The Shadow. Most people didn't like Hudson Hawk, but you want to recommend Hudson Hawk? Yeah. I want to tell people to watch The Shadow, but I understand the things that people don't like about it are the things I love about it, and well, I understand that it doesn't really hold up to the, the superhero genre nowadays. It's it's not what people expect. That's not, or, that's not fair to saddle that with, though. I, I, I understand agree, I, I understand what you're but saying. People, most people would. If you're a cinephile and yeah. you appreciate 90s cinema, yeah. sure. But if you're not... This goes out, yeah. This goes out to all the people that tell me they're cinephiles, and then I'm like, oh, did you see this movie? No, I don't watch movies before 1991 or whatever it is. I'm like, you know what? You're not. You're yep. not... You're not a, a movie aficionado or a cinephile, or you, you can self-proclaim it all you want, but you're not one of those unless you go see movies that were made before you were even born. I mean, like, 
I'm sorry, but these were done. These are there are movies out there that are fantastic. Yes, maybe they're dated. Yes, maybe they they don't make sense now because of knowing what you know. But you can't discount these movies just because they're not modern. Sure. And yeah. I think. Yeah. So. I think I, while I know where we are now in terms of the MCU and all that stuff, mm-hmm. I, it's I, I understand what you're saying, but I also on the other I, I, in terms of like you know comparison to the modern day filmmaking and what the shadow is, I think that on the flip side, you can't discount the shadow because of that. Okay, then here's what I would say: I love this movie. I love Alec Baldwin in the role. I love the style. I love his outfit. I love the <laughs> I love the jokey I tone love, of it. I love his designer labels. I, I think I think his outfit's cool. The black with that hint of red. I I, I was really drawn to that as a kid. I, like I was I, like, oh, that's cool. I have a challenge for you. I think you should dress like the shadow for this Halloween. I've actually thought about that numerous times, but I can't now. I've, Why? I've committed to uh, Beetlejuice and Lydia Dietz as this year's Halloween costume. Why? Because you have to do the couple one. We don't have to. We never usually do, but this year she's always really wanted to do it, and I'm like, all right, let's do it. You. you I'll do the shadows. Wh- no, I'll whatever. Go to work is the shadow. Listen. I'm also for people who don't know me. I'm a little shorter. I don't pull off a trench coat. A well. little. <laughs> so you're saying I could do the shadow? I could you could off. definitely do the shadow. I could pull off the shadow. Absolutely. But listen, if we want to do this like modern remake of the shadow, and his outfit's a little different, uh, <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> um, well, I, but, so I would recommend it. Yeah. So I love this movie. Everything about it that people don't like, I love about it, and I think it all works really well. There are things that are a little eh, but overall, it's a really cool character. I like his power set. I like the tone, the jokiness, the look, the the fact that it takes place in the 30s. You know, you don't see a Batman movie take place in the 30s other than, you know, I think one of the reasons that people really love the animated Batman series so much is that it kind of, it's modern day, but it really is takes place in the 30s. Well, Gotham is drawn like an old style 30s, 40s So if you like that, it's kind of like a live action version of that, which is really cool. I really like the look of... The vehicles back then, like the the outfits, the clothes, the suits, everything just really works for me in that way. Like I said, I really like his powers. I love the score by Jerry Goldsmith. Oh yeah, I haven't we, mentioned we haven't that. talked about that. That yeah. score and that theme song has stuck with me forever. Like I think that's up there with the great superhero themes. Whoa, that's a bold statement. With the, like Batman, Superman, obviously are better, but superhero themes. It well, it reminded me a lot of. Um, Sky Captain, The World of Tomorrow. Like, it reminded me of that, a lot of that that tone, that kind of style. Like, that kind of, like, dun da like, bombastic. Sure, yeah, it's bombastic. Yeah. But it's also got this darkness behind it. But I, I really like it, and they, they pepper it in a lot. And I like the, um, like I'm, I'm not a music guy, so I don't know what you would call it, the bridge. But where it's, do, 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 and it's, like, it goes from bombastic to that little, like, okay, we're, like, searching for something, mm-hmm. and it goes back up. But I, I've always really liked Jerry Goldsmith. Well, I've you like his he theme. You like... I love the theme. Yeah. So there's a lot to like about this movie that I like. But I can't tell you you're going to like it. Well, but now, I think it's... Un- oh, I want to... Because I wanted to... Because I, I knew where you were going. Go, go, go ahead, yeah. No, I knew where you were going. I think it's unfair for us... Because this is episode 14? Is that right? We've been doing this for no, a while this is, now. No, yeah, this is episode 14. Yeah, we've been doing this for quite a long time. Uh <laughs> So we so fourteen. You're thinking like we've been doing this for probably like three months now. Right. I think it's an. I think it's. We probably should revise that final question where we're like, should you revisit this? Because honestly, you should always revisit movies. You should always go back to movies. We're not going to talk about these movies if there's not some kind of connection we have to it. So I think even us talking about it is telling people check it out. But you can lose your connection with things, which I think you brought up. You you brought up in the past. But I would never tell any. But but I would never tell anybody don't watch it. 
You know what I mean? Like you should watch The Shadow again, and then and you might have the same idea that we have. You might love it. You might be like, this movie was terrible. So should we just change it to what did you feel about it now? I just think that we should, moving forward, it's probably a better question. There's probably a better question than should you go back to watch it because you should go back and watch it. Ladies just, and gentlemen, this podcast is developing <laughs> as, we, as speak. we speak. I mean, don't you agree, though? All right, so let's do this then. Okay. If it's now, there are more and more at this point. There are movies on this list that I have not seen. Right. Oh yeah. Um, because you've just seen more movies. Um, what are you trying to say? I'm a nerd. I don't go out. I think you are. Correct. I, I will absolutely admit that you are a bigger cinephile than me. Um, I think you've also got 12 years of, of movie course. watching over me. But that's the whole point. We got. We did this. Right. Exactly. Right. When it is a movie that we've already seen before, it, um, it should be. What did you think about it then? And what do you think about it now? And that's it. Yeah. And if it's on this podcast, absolutely you should watch it. If you're listening to it, we do the spoiler. You, you, you've probably seen it before you're listening or you're so you're interested in the movie enough to listen to this in any way. Yeah. So go watch it. If well, you're that interested, put it in and watch the it. The people that are listening to this now who are younger than us, both of us, mm-hmm. m- might only know Alec Baldwin from 30, 30 Rock. Rock you, might, yeah. you might also know him from, oh, I know he was in Humphrey October. He was the first Jack Ryan, all that stuff. You might know him for that too. But, you know, he's... He's done a lot of stuff, so it's yeah. true. And a lot of his stuff is, I think, probably forgotten. Cinema. Uh, yeah, but in this regard, this would be a uh, because this was at the height of his career. Because I want to say Humphrey October was the year before this, or maybe a couple years. Was that ninety one or ninety one? Ninety ninety one. This is ninety four. She shot this in ninety three. Yeah, okay, so this is that. You know, he was that was he was big time after Humphrey October. I mean, so you, anybody that you're putting front and center on your July 4th movie. Absolutely. This movie was bit, this though. movie was definitely like this is going to be a huge hit cuz that is a big weekend to open. That's right. the weekend that Independence Day opened when it opened. Like that's when Will Smith had his run of films. Uh, like you knew it was coming out in July. It was always that weekend. <laughs> yep. It was always that weekend. So yes. So no, this was gonna this was they were trying to get this to be a huge hit and it wasn't. And it got destroyed by uh, it got destroyed by Forrest Gump, and The Lion King was killing it, and The Speed was killing it. It came out at they had the right time. Unfortunately, they had movies ahead of it and movies behind it that are still well known. You know what I mean? Right, right. So, before we get into like your opinion, like what I just did, <laughs> um, do you think? Let me ask you this last question before we get into that. Do you think The Shadow would have fared better and maybe even gotten sequels had it come out May? Or the end, like let's say it's the the summer movie, like the the maybe the August first movie. Sure. Do you think maybe we'd still see the shadow? Or it would be more well known had no. it come out in August. No, I think that I think that it's in there. There's definite. There's definitely a lot of inconsistencies in terms of performance, story. I think I think the tone, the fact that sometimes it's jokey, some people don't know what to make of it. I think. I think that helps. I think maybe that we both love the fact that we both love the 90s style. We both love the production design, mm-hmm. but we might be alone in that. There might be people that are just like, that looks fake. And you it, know what I mean? It wasn't well reviewed. People don't didn't right. like it back then. Right. So, so uh, but Ebert liked it. But uh, yeah, but I think that that, I don't, I don't think it's a universally well-liked movie just because I think people don't know what to make of it. Sure. So. I don't think. I think it would have. Always, we would have always had this. Okay. This kind of like back and forth. Oh, it's okay. Whatever. If it wasn't in the summer, I might have made less money because you know the summer people movie, people have just gone to it. To right. Go to it. Okay. Right. So either way, you think the shadow was doomed to kind of wallow in obscurity for a while. I just don't until think we brought it back up now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just. 
I just don't think it's as like I said, I just think it's muddied. I think it's the tone. I think the tonal shifts. I, 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 is it a terrible movie? No, it's not. Is it the greatest movie I've ever seen? Obviously not. But it's 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 fine. It's fun. There's like I said, Baldwin's good. There's funny mo. There's funny stuff. There's, I just in terms of just kind of like, like you're into the story, and then you you're like an hour in, and you're like, what's happening? Like you you, you at, there's moments when you're just kind of like, okay, I'm not really sure what's going on here, but all right, we're almost done, so we'll just get to it. Like like that kind of uh, thing. Yeah. So, uh, I guess that's my fun. I don't know. I mean, I guess that's kind of where I am. I can see that. I mean, if, if this movie was going to be better, it would have had, at least had a cult following, which I don't think it really does. No, it doesn't. So. I guess I agree with you there. I mean, it is short, which is nice. It's not like a two and a half hour superhero right. movie. No, it's, you should, like, we, we've talked about that before. A movie shouldn't be that long. I think uh, if they added maybe 15 minutes, made it two hours, mm, I think maybe they could have added stuff that would have helped it a little bit more. Well, I think you're missing scenes. I mean, we talked about maybe they're missing scenes with Claymore in terms of him turning heel real right. quick. I would love to see some deleted scenes from this movie. I, I would love to see special features, and I think that is another reason why it's... Drop to obscurity. It's like DVDs don't usually come out with no features at right. all. When they do, no one had hope for it. <laughs> right, right. It's out because they had it in a storage bin, and they're like, "Hey, let's put this movie out." But I wouldn't be. I'd be okay with a remake, a reboot, something. I'd be okay with seeing the story again. Sure. Just how it's done. Wh- however, it's done. I w- I would be okay with that. I'd be interested in that. Unless you're talking like it's a CW show, and no, and it's like the shadows, like. Some eighteen-year-old kid from high school, and and he's just you know he's just got the world's problems on. He's just I don't know if I'm gonna pass my SATs and all that nonsense. No the SATs pass. One of my bosses after you. <laughs> that's a hard pass. On, <laughs> on, uh, that's a hard pass there. But I think yes. it would work. Yeah, as a gritty maybe HBO show. I, I, I you're keep, always I'm you're always, always about the six or the six episode well, original series. So the Netflix superhero shows are gone now with the Marvel ones. Yes, you, we're not gonna get Daredevil again or Punisher, and the other ones we won't talk about because they're not that good. <laughs> the Luke, Lee season one of Luke Cage is very good. Um, wow. So Netflix. I mean, I'm not going to argue there, but mm. okay. <laughs> Come on, he wears that suit at the end. That the bad guy. And Luke I Cage. don't like the that. I don't like yeah. the last. We're getting okay. out of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're going to bring stuff up like that, all right, the last guy, the bad guy at the end is a bad. <laughs> they. That was a very successful show, and I think it was done very successfully. So let's get the cat, the the crew from. You know the like Daredevil and Punisher. Let's bring them back. Let's, Netflix could probably buy the rights to the Shadow pretty easily. They've well, got the money. I don't know why would, would would they be able to? This is DC, right? Some of Shadow, I believe, is DC now, but not again. It's from what I could read. It's kind of muddied on what you can. So what's if they can free. get if they can get the rights to whatever they, enough uh, of it? Right. right. Okay. Yes. Let's see Netflix put something like that out. Like I know they're 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 trying to get some superhero. They're Mark Millar's Millarverse or whatever. They're trying to do. You know, comics and movies based on that. I think the shadow would fit well into uh, a nice hole that you know the Punisher and Daredevil left yep. of this kind of that kind of gritty things. So I would love to see a, a, a shadow done in that style. I think that would work well. Yeah, I'd watch that. I mean, I know that I've talked about on this podcast. I'm not a fan of Watchmen, the movie, but I will say that I'm interested in the HBO show after seeing the trailer. Yeah, so I like I like the movie. I whatever, but that's fine. That's fine that you, you know, don't like it. Agree to disagree. So uh, yeah, like the shadow, most people. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's fine. I, I could see that, and then I, will that happen? 
Eh, probably not. But yeah, no, I could see it. I don't think it's going to be too long before we see something with the shadow. Everything I think people are yeah. trying to claw at any superhero they can kind of put on screen. At I'll point. tell you what, Butler. If I end up selling a script, which could is a possibility, and that happens, and they ask me what do I want to do, I will tell them I want to do the shadow. How about that? That would be awesome. <laughs> Let's start brainstorming. Let's go. <laughs> All right, so I think we've reached the natural conclusion to our shadow chapter. The natural end. <laughs> well, thanks for listening. So if you like what you hear, if you agree with me, as you should, uh, <laughs> uh, please um, please let us know. You can you can contact us on our website at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com. There's a contact page there. Uh, please feel free to suggest if you want us to do a movie that we haven't talked about or you're interested in hearing about, you know, our thoughts on that, um, we're, we're open for that. If you had any questions, we're, you know, I don't know, we, we've never talked about this, but I mean, if you guys have any questions, we're more than welcome to answer them oh, in, in the podcast. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, please, if you can, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or even Google Play, please rate, subscribe, review, share. Um, let us know how we're doing. Let everyone know about us. Uh, you know, we can't get anywhere without our audience. In fact, you should support all kind of podcasts because my wife told me the other day that uh, a podcast that she was listening to says had the stat that four to five people do not listen to podcasts. So hopefully, let's change that. Um, give us give us a try. Give a lot of people a try. And uh, I don't know. You know, podcasts are fun. So sometimes people know what they're talking about. I'm not saying we do, but no, who we know. Uh- one half of us does. <laughs> it's not you. Oh, oh. Well, is it you? It's, it's one of the mics. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, plug time. You want me to go first? You want to go first? Uh, yeah, go ahead. All right. So, I've got two other podcasts I do. I do Two Player Bros with my brother Alex, where we talk about all things video games. Uh, we preview and review things on all systems, PC, Xbox, PlayStation, VR, if you guys want us to do mobile, we'll do mobile, but I usually stay away from that because those games are usually awful. So that's fun. You can hear us bicker and argue about video games and our opinions on them. And uh, that's Two Player Bros. You can listen to us wherever podcasts can be found or visit us at twoplayerbros.com. I've also got Cracking One Open with Mike and Elise, where my fiance and I crack open a beer, usually a craft beer. We talk about a little bit about the brewery, the history of the beer style, what that current beer tastes like, a little bit about the art around the beer because a lot of beer nowadays has really good art on the beer, and people put a lot of hard work into their their logos and labels. And then we talk about the latest pop culture, uh, movie and TV news, and reviews. So Crack and Open is about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. You can check us out wherever podcasts can be found as well. Uh, I have a couple of books out, Adam Parker and the Radioactive Scout, and Adam Parker and the High School Bully. Surprise, they are shared universe. The, they follow the... The life and times of amateur sleuth Adam Parker, who, if you uh, have are familiar with Encyclopedia Brown, uh, it's basically a riff off of that. If Encyclopedia Brown grew up and hated what he did, so that's Adam Parker. That is available at Amazon.com. You can purchase paperback or ebook, and yeah, and you can go to my website, MichaelDField.com. That has uh, just kind of like some excerpts from scripts that I've written, also uh, clips or from series that I've done web series scenes from the movies Puzzle Maker Son that's two of them that's the only two of them both very good yeah Mike's in Mike's in them <laughs> and I'm actually in Puzzle Maker Son I apologize <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah that's it just writing so yeah thanks for listening buy his script so he can make the shadow yeah who are you uh, $10 I'll sell it for $10 <laughs> 
And join us next week for the 1990 comedy movie House Party. Yes. Uh, Kid and Play and Martin Lawrence. My youth. Lawrence. My youth. My <laughs> youth. Ready for some early 90s hip hop. Early 90s. That's right. Uh, what is it? I just oh, I just thought of it. Oh, I don't remember the name of it. What, what, what the style that it was called? Oh, I, I blanked. So hey, I'll see you next week. <laughs> So as always, I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. The Shadow, a man of mystery who strikes terror in the very souls of sharpsters, lawbreakers, and criminals. <laughs> <laughs>